0: peace and love. I'm switching up the schedule for this week's episode because I feel very much like there's an opportunity here to have a type of discussion that you may be open to that maybe you weren't open to before. I also just feel the need to check in. So much of podcasting can feel like talking at somebody. I really try to work on that because your feedback through the various mediums helped me to remember that I'm not talking at this microphone or at this computer, but I'm talking to you. You're listening. You're there. And I try my best to remember that all the time. And instances like these in, in the middle of this, what are we at? March 15th of 2020 with coronavirus in the mix there's an opportunity here to really talk to each other even more so than maybe any other episode. So that's what I want to do. You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. The show notes page, I want to get that out of the way because I absolutely will be putting a couple of links there that I want you to go see. Go click on is raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 163. Raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 163. Couple of links. Make sure you check those out. Okay. This week, I wanted to talk about self directedness as usual. When I say that, I'm not only talking about in relation to education or learning or children. I'm talking about all of the ways that we embody, embrace, or ignore personal leadership and the consequences of that and the opportunities within that to pivot towards something different. So this episode is not actually a focus on coronavirus. It's a focus on personal leadership and the opportunity for us to pivot in a direction that is away from panic and over towards self-directed practices. Because times like these, this is where we can get super schoolish and just react to the things around us tossing healthy personal leadership aside. And we don't have to be that. We don't have to be a collection of reactions to what is happening around us. As we raise free people, here is a time and opportunity to remember that we, you and I, as the adults are included in that. And for the young folks listening, that you are also in a position here to take a bigger step up in your personal leadership and to speak to the adults around you about what is not okay for you. Hopefully you can do that and to really start to embody what it means to lead yourself in the middle of a time when everyone is trying to tell you what your leadership of yourself should look like. What I see this as, in addition to many things, right, this thing is layered, but part of what I see this as is an opportunity for us to raise up out of what we're used to doing, and I think that the practice of unschooling, the practices inside of that can be really helpful. So what I'm speaking to is what we can do for each other, because schoolishness, one of the big aspects of schoolishness that I think is most damaging is the way that we get really individualized. In a classroom setting, one person needs to shine In any program that you're a part of that has to do with academia in the conventional sense, your job is to stand out and to shine, to speak up about who you are and what you need and why you're special. And while we are all special in our own way, times like these remind us of the importance of collectivism, of community. To be able to check in with each other, not trying to get everyone to be where we are, For those of us who land in the space of the hysteria is what the real problem is, not the virus, yes, that's valid. But does that stop you from checking in on someone who might have an immune issue and that for them, this is real? This is more real than it is for you with your healthy body and mind, right? Can we look at things like that? Yes, we can. It's a rhetorical fucking question. Yes, we can. Can we look at the ways that we can ensure we're not being a source of emotional weight on our children, on our family, on ourselves? Because the space we cultivate together on Fear of the Free Child is for people who are already saying that, yes, what is happening in conventional education isn't for me. And as I venture into that, I learn so much about All these other ways that are about community and society and ways that I can learn to be with other people as myself, leaving room for other people to be themselves, learning the ways that I've been privileged enough to ignore the needs of other people or the consequences of the ways that other people have ignored my needs. This is a time where we have very little choice but to face these things. And I think. I am working towards imperfectly, but consistently working towards a space where I can recognize that in the middle of the potential chaos is an opportunity for community at a whole nother level. I think I'm going to call this episode the coronavirus context because it gives us an opportunity here to really contextualize what it means to be ourselves together. So right now, The question that I'm asking you here is, what are you paying attention to? Particularly as a parent here, for many parents, their children will now be home for longer periods than they expected. I know I have a good sister friend who's on the board of the Waldorf schools, and she's saying that the Waldorf schools are closing down the physical space and really focusing on distance learning and trying to support parents who are... Now for the first time having to be with their children at home and support them in learning. And I I speak to Waldorf here, not under the umbrella of self-directed education, but as an example of what is happening in the larger space where people who are not used to being with their children at home are now needing to do that. And maybe you are one of those parents, maybe even from the space of a homeschooler or an unschooler. Maybe you're used to your kid being in a self-directed space outside of the home. And now you're having to contend (laughs) with the realities. I've heard that word use contend with or figure out or sort out what it means to be with your kid at home. And so in that space, I'm inviting you to start practicing your observation skills paying attention to the feelings that are showing up for you, the feelings that are showing up in your children, gauging how you're responding to the anxiety that your children trigger, (laughs) seeing what they do to entertain themselves and how you respond to that. These are some of the opportunities that are present here now because your observation skills can help you to become a better partner to your children and to become a better leader of yourself. Someone in the Facebook group attached to this podcast was talking about how before her <laughs> connection to me, she was talking about her pre aquila way of being with her children when they're at home versus now as she's been in community with and when she says pre aquila, she really doesn't just mean me; she also means the community that has formed as a result of the podcast right being able to Talk to other parents and educators who are saying, wait a minute, what we've been socialized and indoctrinated to do and the ways that we've been indoctrinated to be with our children has not been okay. There have been some very real consequences to that. So now as I'm learning to be with my child, to make room for my child to be themselves, this is what I'm seeing. These are some of the benefits, the rewards. That's really what she was speaking to. I want y'all to be in that sort of Space to look at the opportunity here to say, man, prior to this, every time I heard somebody say, I need to partner with my kid, I was thinking this or it made me feel like this. But now since they're at home and maybe emotionally or even logistically, because I am working from home, I don't have the time to control the shit out of everything. I don't have the time to say, this is what you need to be doing. And I don't have the time to check in to make sure they're doing the lessons that I gave them. Yet, in all of that, I'm seeing plenty happening with them. I am seeing the ways that they shift from boredom to curiosity. I am seeing the ways that just boredom is okay (laughs) because it can lead to so many other wonderful things that I may not have had access to or my child may not have had access to. You get me? There are ways here that we can start to pay attention to what is going on around us without controlling it because we cannot. And I think that that's actually a great opportunity. I want to touch on what I consider the practice of unschooling as well as deschooling, which is different than the act of unschooling. So I call the act of unschooling the logistics, the decision to say my kid is going to be withdrawn from school, I'm gonna withdraw them from school, or they've never been in school to begin with. That's the act of it. The practice of it is something that, for me, comes with four things. A definition, right, to define what it means for yourself and your family. A design, how it works, what works, what it works within us. (laughs) A doorway, which is what it leads to, the bigger picture, the personal leadership work, the social justice work. And then also the daily practice, how to engage it and let it arrange you. Right now, when we think of unschooling, my invitation to you, as you are being maybe forced to unschool at a different level than you've been doing before, is to think about those four Ds, to think about defining it, designing it, looking at the doorway, and really trying to connect with a daily practice. And I'm going to touch on each of these for you. So when we talk about the practice of unschooling, right now, the definition of that might mean for you, my children are at home more often than I'm used to. So right now, to define what it means to unschool might mean that I'm not going to track their progress. I'm using air quotes or their learning, air quotes again, but instead I'm going to try to facilitate a space that feels good for each of us. I'm going to make sure that there's food. I'm going to be in my room with the things that I want to watch or read or listen to. I'm going to observe them more than I try to assign things to them. Just defining for yourself and your family what it means to be together in this time. And then onto the design, how it works and what it works So if we are here together and I'm making these conscious decisions to not assign and to observe and all of these things, how does that work? You know, what is that working within me or my kids? What triggers are coming up? What am I recognizing about the anxiety that I feel? And how is that anxiety expressed? For some of us, our anxiety is expressed as anger. And it's important to recognize that. For some of us, our anxiety shows up in physical pain in our bodies. What does it mean to be with that? What can I start doing? Can I look at a a yoga video on YouTube? Or can I check in with a, a friend of mine that's always posting some stretches that I appreciate? Or can I get back to drinking a little bit more water? Because I realize that when I do that each day, I feel a little bit better. I feel a little less foggy. Or is there a particular snack that I love that I'm going to make sure that I have here because it makes me feel good to nosh on this thing? Whatever it is for you. We tend to go sometimes in these moments to this health guru type thing to tell everybody that, yes, you know, right now we need to be taking care of our immune systems, which is true. For me, that might mean that I'm not taking in starch. That's a reality for me. But I also know that for someone else, it might mean that they are going to be taking in starch because French fries make them happy, right? So when we talk about the design of it and how to check in with ourselves and each other, am I judging someone else for what they're doing right now to take care of themselves? When really what I should be doing is taking care of myself or supporting the children in my life or my partner and or whoever in what it means Means to take care of themselves. This is what I mean by the design of unschooling, because it is de-schooling from the idea that the more I can control someone else with my idea of what is right and good, the better things will be. It's to shift away from that. And then the next thing is the doorway. As I'm tinkering in this space or maybe deepening my practice in this space, what is it leading me to? What am I recognizing What am I wanting to tap into a little bit more? Maybe it feels really good to see my kid happy for two, three days in a row because I'm not forcing them to do something. What does that mean for me going forward? Maybe I'm not sure, but I just want to be with that and I want to write it down or record it on my phone so I can come back to it another day when I have a little more time and a little more mental space. What are the doorways that you now find yourself standing in or walking through as a result of how things are shifting or have shifted right now? And then that fourth one is the daily practice, how to engage it and let it arrange you. So as I'm in this doorway or I've walked through this doorway, I'm recognizing these things, I'm battling with these things, or I decided not to battle with these things, What feels really good and true and right for me that I want to turn into a practice? What do I want to be doing more of? What do I want to look into a little bit more? What types of conversations do I want to be part of? And which ones in turn do I want to step away from? These are the opportunities that I am inviting you to tap into as all of this is happening around us. I really see this as an opportunity to develop a different context around what it means to be ourselves together. Boundaries are gonna be tested and assessed and defined and redefined quite a bit as we reimagine and reconfigure what it means to be around each other as ourselves. Let that arrange you. Don't run from it. Taking space for yourself is not the same as running away from something, by the way. Be with what that might mean for you. What does it mean now that my house is full of people every day and I don't like that shit? It doesn't feel good. Yet, I want us to all feel good. So what does that mean in terms of my daily practice? What can I do differently? What can I do more? What can I do less? These are the things, these are the opportunities that are sitting here inside of this feeling of chaos. And I wanted to offer you the space, the permission, as many of you have told me these conversations offer you, the permission, the space to be with this and to say, yeah, in the middle of all of these feelings are also these opportunities. And I don't have to be in a space where I'm just reacting to everything around me after I go to the grocery store, after I have that conversation with my mama about why I will or won't do this. How can I be available for myself and the people that I love more or less, if that's what this is calling for? Who feels like a resource and who feels like something I should walk away from? What am I listening to? As you're listening to me, does this feel good? If it doesn't, stop listening (laughs) and move on to something else. What books are sitting in the back of a drawer that I could be taking out right now to really get into because that feels good for me? What am I learning from observing my kid just be happy in a moment Or observing them be bored and saying, yeah, I'm not sure what you can do, but I'm really curious about it. Let me know what happens. I'm going to check in with you a little later. Those little things that can help us develop another practice in this time. Check in with yourself on those and then check in with me if you want to. You know, you can always reach out to me on raisingfreepeople.com. As a voice memo thing, it will let you talk for like five minutes. Always answer. You can also email me, of course, if writing it down is better, she at You can DM me on Instagram all the many ways. I'm available and I'm really great with my boundaries. So I might answer you like four days from now, but I will respond. <laughs> and if not me, whoever that is for you, And maybe it's yourself, maybe it's your spiritual self, maybe it's God, like whatever it is, tap in, tune in, now is the time. One person that has constantly felt like a source of guidance for me is Adrienne Marie Brown. She's one of the ones that feel like sacred space for me. I am going to share here something that she wrote back on the 14th. So this was just yesterday. (laughs) I didn't even realize that I saw it today, but for some reason, I thought she wrote it a few days back. Anyway, what she wrote here, and I'm going to read an excerpt of it. It's from a conversation that she had with a sister named Asia Taylor, and I'm going to put the link to it on the show notes page. I encourage you to read this full conversation, but I'm going to offer you a little excerpt because I think it's a beautiful de-schooling tool. It's a de-schooling tool to help us pivot towards our collective progress and away from panic. So she says, quote, I know there is tragedy here unfolding the scale of which we cannot will never measure in terms of heartache, but I'm also aware of us moving towards things that we have needed to move towards. How do we widen the space within us for the grief and wonder? Fear and vision, the surrender and the creativity, the relief, the humor, the possibility. This is an opportunity to stop trying to cling to the shore. Say the shore is our crisis level individualism and the river is interdependence. We don't really know what intentional post-capitalist interdependence looks like at our current national, much less global scale. It's still time to push off, go forward into that unknown, holding each other in pairs, in circles. Now is a time to learn about relinquishing boredom. This is a time for generating life by rooting where we are and learning intimacy as a survival tool because we need to be able to communicate our realities, needs, and wants. A level of communication that previously often happened only through proximity, pheromones, and subtle facial shifts. End quote. I love that because for me, that is all about unschooling and deschooling. That's how that lands, that translates in my brain and in my spirit. That she's talking about the ways that we can now, as a result of this, have an opportunity to really practice being ourselves together, understanding what boundaries are, understanding what it means to be together, not as this individual who's looking to shine and stand out, but as a part of a collective that also includes self. And there's nothing like sitting in a room (laughs) or a house with a group of people, especially young people who tend to be really clear about needing something and wanting something, to give you an opportunity to put that into practice for yourself too, without tapping into the power over ideas that we've been indoctrinated into. You know, the schoolishness that you and I, as people who are committed to raising free people, are constantly learning how to be with and pivot away from. So, yeah. I just wanted to offer that to you in the middle of this and to send you my love and light and reminder to take care of yourself and the people around you, to check in in ways that are not about trying to get people to see it the way you see it or live it the way you see it, but to hold space, space for what you need and what you see, but also holding space to support the collective. You know Sending Much Love Once again, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash one six three. It'll have the link to the rest of the conversation that Adrian Marie Brown was having with Asia Taylor. And it also includes a bunch of links, a bunch of suggestions that Adrian has. And I'm also gonna put a link to Another set of suggestions that Malika Diggs of Eclectic Learning Network shared on Instagram. I think both of those are beautiful resources for us as we raise free people, including ourselves. Much love. And I will chat to you next week.